Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions, and is brought to you by the Speech Improvement Company. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schlaff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and this is electionspeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this presidential campaign. And today is November the 3rd, one day before Election Day. So we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot of things that have happened over the course of the campaign. And Monica Murphy, who's with us today, said, is there anything that can be done last minute? Well, let's find out. Let's introduce who's with us today. Our co-host today, uh, Lori Schlaff usually is with us. She's out doing some family business today. So joining us from right to left around your radio dial on my right is Monica Murphy, professional speech coach. Welcome, Monica. Glad to be here, Dennis. Next to, next to Monica is a special guest who I'll come back to just a moment. Next to him, there's a hint, is our soon-to-be author and professional speech coach, Ethan Becker. Welcome, Ethan. Nice to be back and live and in person. And <laughs> instead of on the phone, on the yep. road somewhere, right? And joining us also is our special debate coach and expert and author, professional speech coach, Dr. Dr. Debbie London. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Dennis. Now, we do have a special guest with us today. He's been with us before, and perhaps you'll recall having with us today Rob Toomey. Rob is from a, a very interesting group called Speed Reading People. And his expert expertise is going to be in speed reading people. Take a look at somebody, and what can you tell by the way they behave? Is that right, Rob? Absolutely right. All Great right. To be here. Thanks for coming. Now, today we have a lot of things to talk about because today is the end of the campaign, the end of the trail. At least we think. Oh, it's not over. We think. That's right. <laughs> Let's start with that because is it over or not? Now, Monica, you raised the question just before we got on the air about is there anything that can be done last minute right before the election actually occurs tomorrow? What do you think? Well, it's so interesting because last minute, there's so many last minute undecided voters. And I saw something, just to see what people are, what the candidates are doing in these 24 hours. We see John McCain on Saturday Night Live reaching over lines and making jokes. We see uh, an interesting thing with people who are waiting in line to vote for hours and hours. Does that change the way they're doing? And I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of messages we hear from the candidates out on the trail today. Mm. Even hearing Joe Biden out on the trail earlier in the week, I know we're going to talk about crowds and handling crowds, but anything last minute, I think, is going to really be relating to the consistency in message of how soon changes will come. Mm. Uh, uh, Debbie London, you were saying to me before the show as well that uh, just this morning, talking about Monica, mm -hmm. follow up Monica's point, this morning you heard... Uh, some commentary about the campaign. Well, if if you're referring to the the, the ad that I saw yeah. this morning on, on a morning news show, uh, it wasn't on the morning news show. It was an advertisement by I, I want to say the something geo party for GOP or Truth for the GOP party, and it was an ad about Obama, and they had pictures of Reverend Wright, an issue that I thought had been really lying dormant for for a couple weeks now, and he was. Uh, in the ad, they were saying, basically pointing to the fact that, you know, Obama, the, the tagline was too risky, too, I can't remember the last word, but it was parallel to too risky, and it was basically saying, look, if, if you're a little bit afraid of change, or if you don't want to take a chance, I mean, the, the rhetoric used was just so intriguing to me that they would use that type of rhetoric. That's not 
taken lightly. And I think the, the undecided voters that Monica referred to, I think that's the kind of thing that might sway them. You know what? If you're unsure and you don't want to go with change, it's a lot easier to stay with what's comfortable. So I think that's going to hurt Obama. Well, no, we have only we have 24 hours, less than 24 hours before the votes begin. Uh, do you suspect, any of you suspect or expect that there will be surprises come up sometime today from either side? That will hopefully. Hurt I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> Too late. And this this reminds me. It's interesting if you think about John Kerry's campaign at the end. This is a very different strategy that uh, Barack Obama has, and it's something that he said. It was about three to four weeks ago in an interview. Barack Obama said, uh, "I know how to bring it on in the fourth quarter." And I remember when he said that, and he just said it with such conviction, like he has this plan of something he was going to do for the last week. And if you look at this past week, how well orchestrated mm -hmm. the Obama campaign has been with just the timing of things and pulling off uh, huge feeling events, big emotional events, That's everything true. from when Bill Clinton was, was speaking with him. And then the speeches were very powerful. And it, it, it almost makes you think of the... Sorry, everybody who doesn't live in Boston, but of a Celtics game, you know, they're in the fourth quarter. That doesn't mean, you know, and Doc Rivers would it doesn't mean this game is over. It's mm -hmm. not over until it's over, and Barack Obama is in full, full speed right now. Mm -hmm. Are there themes Even this that, morning, uh, even the speeches this morning, powerful. Mm -hmm. All right, so if, right up the to themes. the end here, are there themes that have emerged over the course of the campaign that uh, we still... Uh, a week from today, when we're back on the air a week from today, will we be saying there was a theme that carried all the way through? What are the, some of the words and things that you remember from this campaign, well, from I, either side? I think the, the, the change theme is interesting. It'll be really cool for us to talk about the change theme because it got Obama had it, and then it was hijacked, and McCain had it. And Obama, I think, was, well, we'll find out how successful, but... Uh, was successful in stealing it back. All right, so change is one word you remember. Mm -hmm. Rob Toomey, how about you? Well, I, I really think change is a big piece of the puzzle here, and the, the connection that people have with Obama in change, I think it's really, uh, it's his word now. And as much as McCain would like to distance himself from the current administration, it's been very difficult for him to do so. And from a personality perspective, he actually is a lot more similar in style and presentation mm. to our current president, and I think that continues to hurt him. Mm -hmm. So w words like uh, terrorist, tax and spend, I mean, these are words to me that stand out over the course of the more of the same. These are things that, as I think back over the months and months of this campaign, these are words that I remember. Uh, socialist, now that's a more recent word, but that came out doesn't get it. Something else that we heard about McCain from yeah. Obama. Oh, he said These that quite ones. a bit. These are yeah. good ones. Yeah. How about no. Maverick? I mean, how could Maverick. you Maverick. 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 Yep. Maverick. Mm. Yeah, okay. redistribution of wealth. Redistribution of wealth. I think McCain's yeah. tried to pin a lot of things on, Mc on uh, Obama that haven't really stuck, but a few of them that's been resonating in the population who've been going mm -hmm. through the polling system, that is one of them. You know, I heard, right. I heard someone on the radio say, well, what incentive would I have to work a lot harder if Barack Obama's president, he's just going to take my money, mm -hmm. which we can get into whether or not that's true, <laughs> yeah. but I think it proves the point that it, the idea is sticking uh, yeah. from, yeah. Yeah. from McCain's And group. I think that from a Republican standpoint, I think country first 
has been the theme that they've been mm. able to put so many things under. Mm. They could go with country music. Right. They could go with the country as a whole. They can go with the country of Americans. They can go with the country of families with babies with special needs. I think it has served very, very well. Country first, I think, for the Republicans was was really well done. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> How, about that? How about that? There's a couple of those, right? Mm. You betcha. Now, folks, see, I think that works. I think what? those types of things work. I think the challenge it was too early and it fizzled out. That the the home the the homey feel uh, that Sarah Palin has, I think, started to fizzle out. Same with some of the the country first. So so if you look at today, this morning, uh, all the candidates, everybody's talking, everybody's presenting, uh, and I was able to catch some of them on TV. I saw Sarah Palin, I saw uh, John McCain. And last night at midnight, I saw, or last night I saw Obama. That the speeches are the, I've noticed are the same. They're all, all the, the three that I saw. It was the same speech that they have all been using the mm -hmm. past few weeks, mm -hmm. which is pro probably why we don't see a whole lot of it on the news cycles because it's kind of boring. Uh, the difference was that I, I feel as Obama is still selling it, meaning he's really matching the delivery of his speech, whereas McCain. Uh, and with Sarah Palin, she can sell it. She's still selling the speech. McCain, I don't think he is anymore. I think he's. It it feels like he's going through the mm -hmm. motions of it, and I think that's going to have a, an impact. As How well. does it feel that way, Ethan? Through the words he's using, or his voice tone, or his nonverbal? The, the inflection. Now, where he, I, I watched. Then afterwards, I, I listened to one of the commentators on TV say he looks so fresh and perky today, like he's he's got full of energy. He's going back to his old self. Uh, yeah, kinda. I don't know. I don't. I didn't buy that. He looked nice and cleaned and clean cut, but it, the words just weren't. The pathos wasn't there in the in the, in the, the tone of voice. Rob Toomey, read him for us. Well, that, that's what I'm seeing as well. I'm seeing McCain's frustration and impatience with slipping numbers in the polls and a sense that maybe the campaign is out of his hands in many respects. I think that's coming through, and it's definitely I think preventing people from connecting with him and. McCain is at his best when he's relaxed, he's joking, he's a little bit yeah. playful. I think the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live thing was a great move for him. I think that's how he's going to leave it in the minds of, of the public. But he hasn't done a lot of that because I really feel like he's frustrated and impatient with the process. Mm. Counter him with Sarah Palin, though, because what's interesting, I think, is that Saturday Night Live has taken some of her themes and the you betchas, and they've almost created an alter candidate, an alter persona of a candidate. And I just saw something in the polls this morning that said that her approval rating as a candidate is already down 8%, <laughs> and that people, the more they get to know her, the less they like her. Mm -hmm. So how, I'm interested, Rob Toomey, in how you would read uh, Sarah Palin. Well, it's, it's very fascinating to me. She's actually the same personality type as our current president. And she's at her best when she's relaxed and playful and joking around. She really does a great job of connecting with people when mm -hmm. she's like mm -hmm. that. But I, I don't think that she has the, the gravitas behind that mm -hmm. that she can pull it off. So people just see that, and that's the end of their analysis mm -hmm. about her. Now let me just add something to this, because here's where there's a great strength, a great strength in what Sarah Palin has. If you take her style of communicating mm -hmm. and pull it out of the political arena for a moment and bring it into a business environment. Imagine how much how much more powerful and how effective that style is. I mean, if you think about the challenge that women have in business these days, especially mm -hmm. if it's in big business where it's an all-boys club, it's tough. And a lot of the clients that I work with, a lot of the senior level women that I work with, 
there's this feeling almost that they they have to be yes <clears throat> i must be very serious and this is serious business and i have to be you know and, and they come across as cold or bitter and to find that ability to connect with listeners sarah palin's got it i think it doesn't work in the political arena because or rather it did it did at first and the reason i think it it, it sort of fizzled out is because it it's the the ethos of politics is there is is different. There's a lot of emotion. There's there's a feeling of we want us an individual that's more serious, mm-hmm. and it's an interesting dynamic in the business environment. I think it'd be very different. I'm not so sure she would connect in the business environment with that style. Mm-hmm. I mean, some in some industries, perhaps some personalities of. Uh, of, of, of particular companies, but I think overall that style is going to be a little bit too frivolous for her in business. Now, the business of entertainment, it will work. And she made a, you know, they made that funny comment on mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, Tina Fey did, that she wants to be the new, uh, what they call the white. Oprah. If she doesn't win president, she sees several opportunities. She could be a white Oprah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which would work. I, I can see that. Business, I can't I don't see, think I, it's going to I don't disagree her. with you. I don't disagree with you. My initial impression is, hey, this would be better in business because probably it's just because where I am right now with specific clients that I'm working with, and mm. I'm like, I, I, I'm talking with them about how they can be a little bit more relaxed and connect with people. So, and you're right, there are certain environments. As you say that, I'm listening, I'm thinking certain boards of directors I work with where it wouldn't be effective. But it is a skill to be able to turn on and off. Well, and, and, I, and I think from her perspective, given her personality, she is at her best when she's letting down her guard a little bit. And there are plenty of people who I've seen very successful in the business world by letting down their guard in situations where not everyone in the room is doing that. And it creates an environment where it's easier to make connections with people. I've seen a lot of people in business development roles in particular succeed mm-hmm. with that style. Yeah, I want to take this back just a little bit to some other comments. What's reflective of the whole campaign for each side, I think, is, has been a pattern, a very consistent pattern. For Obama, I think uh, it's been consistency. It's been very consistent, very even. And I said this at the beginning when I came up with the tortoise and the hare analogy. I really believe that slow and steady, and he has a great team behind him. I think that's the way he communicates. I think that's being reinforced, and that's working. In McCain's camp, I really believe it's inconsistent, and that was a lot of that because a lot of things they try are very dynamic. They're really trying to sort of get right out, the, right ahead, and they're just not able to, what Rob said earlier with with sensing McCain's frustration, I think that comes through, and I, I think that's, if anything's going to hurt him, I think that's going to be it, but who can say if it will? Rob, I want to ask you a question. Uh, Rob Toomey, our expert from Speed Reading People, talking about reading people by gestures. I want to make a specific point in question here about gestures. McCain, it seems to me, has a gesture which is that, uh, the, of course, listen, you can't hear this, but you'll know when I describe it. It's when he puts the t- two fingers of each hand up and says, quote, and makes these little <laughs> quote marks with his hands. Air okay? quotes. Air quotes, right? He likes to do that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I want to ask your uh, impression of that compared to uh, Obama's gestures, which tend to be what we refer to in our business as band leading, which means when he talks, he gestures. When he doesn't talk, he doesn't move his hands. But as soon as he starts talking, he moves Compare the both of them on gestures a little bit, if you can, sure. Rob to me. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think you know those those hand quotes are probably a great example of the sign of frustration uh, and impatience that John McCain is experiencing. He's quoting his opponent, and he cannot believe that these words are establishing credibility for his opponent. So he's putting them in quotes, and I think that comes across as sort of aggressive and mm-hmm. a reflection of the fact that he's not the most even-tempered person on the planet. He's working really hard to keep himself in check. And it's not easy to do. 
Uh, whereas mm-hmm. I think with Obama, he's a very serious, very even-keeled kind of person. And his hands have a sort of measured style when he's talking. You know, up and down, up and down, there's almost a cadence to them. Mm-hmm. And that, that definitely comes across as much more stable and relaxed about the current situation, which I'm not saying is always true, but a reflection mm-hmm. of where they're at in their campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the whole point of gesturing is so much of what people base their assessment on when they're watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think an interesting place to take that to is let's take that now to the to the component part of what is it like for a a watcher, a listener, a observer, a crowd, and how has that actually impacted the way the candidates have been delivering their message? I mean, I think as technology progresses and there's so many more ways to communicate your message, your nonverbals and how you're seen on a computer screen, mm-hmm. on the television, in a trailer for something coming up, live in a, in, a, in a debate. We have so many ways that we are now judging the credibility of that candidate just by their body language. So I'm interested to go around the dial here and hear what your observations are in terms of how the crowds have affected the delivery of the message from the candidates. Well, it seems to me Dennis. that crowd crowd impact, because you've turned it around. How does the crowd impact the speaker versus the speaker versus the crowd? Because so much of what we take a look at is coaching our people how to deliver to the crowd. Right, right, right. So how does the crowd affect the person? Well, it seems to me that when I see Obama, this goes back since the first time I saw him uh, in Springfield or wherever it was, you notice the guy always sort of runs up or bounds up the stairs. He's kind of like working out. Every you know, time he's, move, he's move, moving he along, moves, he pops and bounces. He, he hops, he bounces, he moves along. Yeah. Whereas McCain, you know, maybe he just can't, but he doesn't. So I think, I think he when, was he, gets, on that. when mm-hmm. he gets most excited, though, McCain, if you remember at the, uh, at the, can, at the uh, Republican uh, convention, McCain was at his best at the end of that speech when they were the crowd. Now, who, who came first, the chicken or the egg, the speaker or the listeners? They were on their feet, and he was on his feet. He's yelling, mm. fight, stand up for this, stand up for that. He was into it. Now, was that because they excited him, or were they into it because he excited them? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I know the answer to that, but one does work off of the other. There's no doubt about that. What do you think, Debbie? I, I echo a lot of what you, you have to say, actually. I, I think that the, the audiences, I think they're, very, they're being chosen, again, strategically. For example, this weekend, Obama was in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, with Bruce Springsteen, and Four years ago, uh, right before the election, John Kerry was also with Bruce Springsteen in Cleveland. Now, Cleveland is the only Democratic county in Ohio, which is a swing state. So I think that they really tried to take advantage of of that audience that might sway the rest of the state. So I think it goes even deeper than we're seeing or hearing as to whether the audience is affecting the speaker or the speaker is affecting the audience, because I, I think they are just responding to what is going to work. And there's two levels of audience. So to your point, I know we've talked before about the stage-centric. We talked about this earlier in terms of the way you will always see uh, Obama standing. You'll always see him on a stage. Behind him, you will see real voter people. In front of him, you will see a slogan on his podium. And somewhere there will be an American flag. Whereas with McCain, he will always have behind him a large flag, usually, and that and and they're and they're different about putting people behind him. They didn't have people behind in the Republican piece until just 
until just they recently. They, they do, do now, now yeah. because they're mimicking more of, I think, what was well-received. Those people were hand-chosen. There's also the people listening, like, that have attended the rallies and yelled things out. There's those live listeners. And then there are the listeners that are watching through the television screen in their living room. Yeah. So it's interesting when you're gesturing, who are you really reflecting and reaching out to? And then what happens when somebody in the crowd unexpectedly does something? Now we're looking at it how the today. candidate handles it. You know, certainly we've seen so many examples of that. Uh, we can chat about it. I was surprised to see the one that just recently came up with Joe Biden when he was speaking in Tallahassee. And there were people outside with megaphones yelling. And four different times during his speech, he referred to those people in the parking lot, as he called them, and used them as an example, though. He used them as an example of the kinds of people that we, the new the people who will win, need to reach out to. And, and just his language, he said, I mean it literally. I'm not joking. I know you find some of that behavior obnoxious. We have to end this. We have to work together. Going on a bipartisan commentary. And I think we're seeing it's interesting I think to it's see that, how the spontaneous the candidates have to react. I think that ability to go off script is one of the That's contributors right. to making a candidate more or less yeah. believable. It's not written yes. down right. anywhere, but it's an example. Gee, they're clearly not on script because they didn't expect that particular situation to happen. But to back to the original question, I have two words, Howard Dean. And mm. if you think about that, that famous time when he started screaming on camera, mm -hmm. it's a good example of the difference between what we see on television and what's live. Live in the room, he wasn't anything, it wasn't it was crazy, fine. it was, it was just, that's just yeah. the way it was. But because the microphone only picked up his voice, it sounded like he was cuckoo. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> candidates have become better with that, the mics have become better, that kind of stuff. If you look at these rallies, I think they do, you can see the impact that the crowd does have on the speaker. But you know, from a, from just from a delivery standpoint, let me pick up on that and say that I think uh, everybody's learned that lesson from Howard McCain. But I believe Howard Obama Dean. has Howard learned Dean. it a little bit better. <laughs> Howard, what did I say? Howard, Howard McCain. McCain. Howard McCain. Oh, that's a cousin. You didn't know about him? <laughs> no. Oh, that's coming up the that's last. That's Howie. That's coming up Howie. Yeah, you didn't know about Howie. Howie. Yeah, yeah. It's coming up. I'll be out to, to about nine o'clock tonight. He's a writer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Howard Dean taught everybody a lesson, all the speakers this year. I think Obama learned the lesson a little bit better. Let me give you an example. Each time in his speeches, and I've been measuring how he does this, each time in his speech he gets to a, a very significant thought, line, set of words he wants people to remember. He knows how to, what we would call in our business, pace that mm -hmm. piece. He gives slower speed right before, right after, isolates the sentence. Yep. Uh, I saw him do it just yesterday in Columbus, Ohio, when he was doing it, and he got to a sentence, and the sentence he wanted to really stand out, which one that it really did stand out because this was, I will end this war. Okay, And he said each word separately like that, with a little bit of a pause between, not, not I'll end this war. No, I will end this war. That's a, an incredible control of rate and pace, mm -hmm. even though he probably felt about as impassioned as, it, as mm -hmm. Howard so Dean did. Wait, 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 there's something I, I want to respond to that, yeah. because I think he, Obama does that really very well, changes the, the way that he speaks based on the audience also, I mean, much more so than McCain does. He will drop the ends of his words right. and gets a little more colloquial, pattern, a little we would more yeah. That was actually driving me nuts. Was <laughs> when, when he's speaking to a crowd that that would seem to yeah. resonate more with, or, and because and we talk about that a lot with, with Sarah Palin and how whether that works or not, and I think Obama is much more, again, strategic when he does that. So why is it that when McCain that. does that same technique, when he emphasizes words, why does it 
feel less believable? Well, first of all, he doesn't do it well. No. Okay. The rate and pace. Well, what do you mean by that? By that, I mean the rate and pace of speed. Now, now, listeners, those of you who are with us all the time, remember rate the speed at which a speaker puts words together, pace the speed at which a speaker puts thoughts together. McCain does not control either rate or pace as effectively as Obama. I think because these are based on emotion more than reason. Even, but even Sarah Palin, who's very emotional, controls it better than he does, I think. Mm -hmm. he, McCain does not control rate and pace effectively. That's the first thing. The second thing, I don't think he controls his inflection pattern as well as either Sarah Palin or mm -hmm. uh, Obama. He doesn't vary it enough. He doesn't mm -hmm. vary enough. And when, as we mentioned before, he's got two, two choices. He either goes in amazement, it's amazement, or he gets angry. So we don't see a variety, and we're hearing the same old words. Go back to our first question about words. We're hearing the same things over and over. Let me draw one quick analogy. Then I want to ask Rob Toomey about the, uh, the, the whole idea of uh, crowd control with Sarah Palin in particular. Let me make one quick analogy on words. When we see on television, we see uh, commercials for a, a movie that's coming up. You tend to see, call them trailers. You tend to see the same trailer over and over and over, right? And uh, you'll see it however many times, maybe a hundred times before you go to the movie. You go to the movie. Now, the movie starts playing when the line that you have heard and seen on the commercials so many times, when that line comes up in the movie, I've been measuring this for the last year and a half, very informal, obviously. I've noticed that no matter what it is, people laugh at it. I mean, if it's comedy. They'll laugh at it, even though they've heard that same line 50 times on television. Now, let me take that back to the, to the campaign. It seems to me that when those of us who watch McCain or Obama on TV, we see and hear the same words, same phrases over and over and over and over again. Now, those people who actually go to a rally, think of what that involves. You got to get a babysitter, you got to drive there, you got to find a parking space, you wait an hour to get in, they check security, you got to find a space, then you're sitting way back. Think of the motivation it takes, the in incredible personal motivation it takes to go to one of these rallies. When these people get to these rallies and they hear that word, you know, whether it's my friends or betcha, whatever it is, when they hear it, they want to cheer about it. Because they've been hearing it on television, now it's live, just like the movies. It seems to me that those repeated trailers work in a crowd the same way because crowds have a different motivation, a different feeling when they're actually there because of what it took to get there as opposed to all of us who sit at home and watch it on TV. For whatever that's Excellent worth. Excellent point, Dennis. Thank mm -hmm. you. We haven't heard the word nuclear lately. Thank no. God for that. Okay. The, Rob, same, go ahead. the same phenomenon can be said of uh, the person who really likes the musician listens to their album on the way right. to yes, the, yes. the stadium right. to yes. hear the exact same song played the exact yes. same song. In <laughs> yes, fact, they're, they're upset yeah. when the live version deviates from the right. studio That's exactly right. That's what they were paying Very to hear. It's, yeah. it's That's exactly right. Now, has Sarah, do you think, Rob, Sarah has done a good job controlling her crowds, or has she been excited by the crowds, or is it sort of 50-50 with her? I, I think she does a great job. I think McCain should take some notes from her. Uh, she is a natural connector. She's comfortable. She's really relaxed up there. She, she plays likability and charm. That's her way of connecting with people. And I think the more worked up and more excited an audience gets, the more comfortable, relaxed, and natural she feels. And, and that's the, the classic difference between how men communicate and how women communicate. Women communicate for connect connection. Men communicate for reason, to, to 
be productive and functional. Wow, well, what a dumb thing that is. N no, <laughs> neither one's wrong. Oh, they're just different. Now, let me but ask I this question. I think the mindset <laughs> of a crowd, I would just yeah. say the overall crowd mentality, is an overall crowd more motivated by? Emotion. That's right. Of course. Say by sure. logic or emotion. Yeah. And, and part of what I think is almost now working against Palin is when, and she let some of that emotion out, now we've got people like Tina Fan Saturday Night Live taking just her emotional component and poking so much fun at it uh, that mm -hmm. I think it makes mm -hmm. the logic and the credibility mm -hmm. go down. Uh, but I think that's part of what, what candidates have had to deal with this time, this, this round of elections. You've got to deal with a whole other level of, of audience, which yeah. is your, your, your critics. So let me ask this question to the, to the team today, because I hear this a lot. How, how would you respond to somebody who says to you that, that the communication doesn't matter the communication style is not, not, not matter. It's one of the criticisms we hear about Barack Obama is that, well, it's the policies that matter. The communication is really who cares about that. How do you respond when people say that? I mean, of course, as a speech coach. <laughs> yeah. Rob? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll pick on Obama first. If Obama wins, I believe it's because he's connected with people um, and that has allowed his message to get through. I believe if you don't make that connection, if you are not good at communication, your message never had a chance because the person was not receiving it at all. So, and I, I think this was really at the core of why both Gore and Kerry lost. Their messages were great, in my opinion, uh, perhaps better on substance than some of what George W. Bush was saying. But the population at large did not even hear it because they did not connect with the. So what did they? Because George Bush took a lot of criticism because because of his communication. So what what are the components that worked politically for him? Well, I think he's actually very similar to Sarah Palin in that he's a natural connector. That he, thus, the I'd love to have a beer with the guy. That's right. His likability yeah. and charm were the reasons why his message got across and why people voted for him. There's one other piece hmm. about him that actually I think uh, is a concern for the Obama camp, which is that undecided voters from their personality type are last-minute folks who can be pushed at the very last minute by something that they hadn't considered before. And I think it was very smart of McCain to leave Saturday Night Live as his last message to the mm -hmm. population of those last minute deciders who are more fun, more flexible, more spontaneous, and really will relate to that uh, mm -hmm. particular candidate. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, we've uh, come to the end of this session and uh, very invigorating. And I'm, de I'm delighted to have each of you here, Monica Murphy, Rob Toomey, Toomey uh, Ethan Becker, and of course, Dr. Deborah London's with us today. Thank you all for your incredible insights throughout the course of this campaign, and we will all know, perhaps by, well, not exactly by this time tomorrow on Tuesday, November 4th, but soon we will know, <laughs> and next week when we're with you on Monday's posting, we will certainly, well, I shouldn't say we'll certainly know, because it happened before we may know, we think we'll know. Dennis, can I add one quick thing before we before we go? Quick go assignment, uh, to back on Monica's question about handling the hecklers and stuff, if anyone wants to see that, you can go into YouTube, type in the name of the candidate, and then type in the word heckler or heckling, and you'll see all sorts of videos from that candidate, and you can see how they handle those live crowd situations. I'll put mm, some up in the show notes, too. Good. Let's, let's put some, some, some up in the show notes. So, folks, yeah. when you click into the show, be sure you look at the notes, and you'll get copies of exactly what Ethan is talking about, and a lot more, I'm sure, when you look at it. And we hope that we've given you some things to be thinking about, because tomorrow is the big day. Get out there and vote, no matter how you feel about which candidate, express it in the voting box. That's the place to do it. 
Vote we'll... for Howard McCain. Howard McCain? <laughs> Howie! 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 Al Franken is always a possible I better writer. get out of here because you guys are going to start picking on me again. And so until next time, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is a production of the Speech Improvement Company and is posted every Monday.